We believe in people, in their stories, and their ability to inspire and change the world. Believing this means we transform our lives, our communities, and the world by doing good. Welcome to the Highlands Ranch Lone Tree Advice Givers, the Corrigan Group podcast, and I am your host, Sandy Corrigan. It is our deepest desire to introduce you to those local advice givers who are the day-to-day world changers, the champions, and those who in their own way are transforming lives, communities, and the world by doing good. Jeff Chase is Regional Director of Development West, that's the western part of the United States, at Living Water International. Living Water works in 18 countries to implement participatory, community-based water systems. Jeff holds a BS in Marketing and Management from the University of Oregon and an MBA from Merrillhurst University. He left a 20-year corporate career to pursue his passion for helping others in need around the world. Hi, this is Tom Corrigan, and I'm sitting across the table from a friend from afar. Um, a number of years ago, I got moved to do something different with my life and our company. And the company agreed, and we decided to use some of our income to change our world situation, which we'll, we'll go into. And we partnered with an organization called Living Water International, and Jeff Chase is here with me today, and he's the regional development director for the entire West. I'm not sure if that's the Western universe or <laughs> we can get some more definition. We'll just say Colorado West. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Colorado and West. We, we like that. And uh, so I, I feel like Jeff's an old friend. We communicate, and he's a partner, but we're glad you're here today right here in the same room. Yeah, excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. You betcha. Jeff, you've been with Living Water now for six and a half years, is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. Yeah, Great. just about six and a half years. And uh, tell us just a little bit about what you do with LWI. Well, Living Water, just so so people know, Living Water, we're an international uh, nonprofit. So we're a faith-based organization that we work in 17 countries around the world, Africa, Asia, and uh, South America, Central America. And we bring desperately needed clean water and sanitation and hygiene training to communities that, that need that, and in that also share the love of Christ with awesome. them. So it's demonstration and proclamation. It's uh, you know loving our global neighbor. Great. And so my role is just as development director is fundraising and awareness. So I am meeting with people, meeting with donors, individuals, businesses, just like yourself, that have a passion to change the world in some way, and we get to partner with, with you in doing that. Excellent. You know, it's when, when I first woke up to the world water scenario, and I, I don't know where my head was before that, but uh, I was like many other people. I, in my house right today, there's, I don't know, if I count all the faucets and the shower heads and the outside faucets and stuff, you know, I have a, oh, well over a dozen points I can get clean water. Yep. In fact, if, if, I've, if I've done my household duties, I could, in a rare moment, I could drink out of the toilet, right? Um, and then woke up one day, and I was bothered by the whole thing of water, and I laid in bed, I couldn't go back to sleep, and I finally got up at 3 o'clock in the morning and Googled water, and it took me on this long journey to find out that at that point, there was just under a billion people on the planet who didn't have access to clean water. Yeah. Um, and that's, 
those numbers have been big, greatly changed in just in the last six and a half years. How's that happening? Well, you're right. It's, it's, you know, it's still a, a large problem, but it's a problem that we feel is solvable, uh, getting clean water to everyone on the planet. And, you know, like you mentioned, I mean, I think the first numbers I heard and the statistics were from probably about 10 years, eight, 10 years ago. At that time, it was, it was 1.2 billion lacked access to a safe water source. Uh, you know, current numbers are 663 million. Wow, it's almost in half. Almost in half. And so, you know, there's different measurements. You, you'll hear different numbers. So there's different ways of what that looks like. What does access mean? But in the big scheme of things, we're, we're getting there. We're solving it. it we, we feel that it's something that's doable in our lifetime. And so it's, it's a huge need, but it's also something that, you know, from people like you and, and jumping in and, and being involved uh, is making, we're making a difference. We really are. And um, that's why we're so proud to be partners with, with your organization. So you were in the corporate world. Yes. How did you make the jump into this organization and doing what you're doing today? Well, uh, my wife would joke that I had a midlife crisis and instead of buying a sports car, I decided to change the world. But, um, yeah, I was working in a corporate career. I, I worked for, uh, a company for, um, almost 20 years. So when I left there, it was about three months shy of my 20th anniversary and had been doing that was very successful. Um, but you know, it was kind of on autopilot and I just, it wasn't fulfilling anymore. And it had, it felt that way for a while. And, you know, my journey started, you know, with just changing careers was really, um, really praying about what, what I should be doing, what I, what God wanted me to do. And, you know, it started this journey where I just really started feeling compelled to international work. So, um, I knew I wanted to do something, help communities internationally. We're so blessed here in the United States. Yes, we And are. so that was the first thing. The funny thing about that is, um, we, we had, we had done some, worked with some different mission organizations, you know, overseas before, but just more as a, you know, writing a check and, and doing good work that way, but not really knowing everything about it, what's going on. Mm -hmm. My home church started raising money for water wells and they were doing it through living water and same kind of thing. It's funny because I had even contributed a little bit, um, for a couple of years and then you know, they would report back and I'd see a picture of a, of a well, like, Hey, you know, my money actually went somewhere, but it, there was still a disconnect. And I don't, I don't know what it was. And really God just wrecked me. And I just almost overnight just started having this heart for water. Um, couldn't get my mind off of it. And so that pursuit, that started my pursuit of, of going after that changing careers and, um, you know, there's there's a million steps that happened and a lot of God things in there, but um, it so happened that I was able to come on board Living Water about six and a half years ago. Excellent. Oh, obviously, your family supported your decision. Yes. And yeah. They're. I they're imagine they've been it. impacted by that change as well. I've had my wife and and daughter uh, have been down on on well sites with me in, mm. in Central America. Um, my son hasn't been one on directly with me, but he's been down in, in our work areas as well. So, Excellent. um, yeah, definitely has, has opened the whole family's eyes to, to what's going on. Well, speaking of family, I understand you have a momentous month ahead. Yeah, we, uh, I have two seniors. So, uh, my son is graduating college and our daughter is graduating high school Awesome. in the next week to a couple weeks. So that's exciting. Yes. 
we're 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 looking forward to the empty nesting stage. But my wife says we we probably need to find a hobby now. So. Yeah, a hobby does come in handy. And you're celebrating an anniversary as well, right? Yes, it's our. Uh, I have a big birthday this this uh, year, and then and uh, it's our 25th wedding anniversary. So wow. it's a it's a big big exciting summer. That's great. So Jeff, you you mentioned making the you know the change from corporate life. You know, we changed our focus as a real estate company a number of years ago to say why are we doing this? What's our big why? beyond serving people really well and helping them buy and sell homes and invest in properties and those things. And those are all really important. They're huge for people. And we, we feel honored to be involved in those transactions with people and those, those transitions. Um, but it was, it was a big shift for us to go, what are we about and why do we do what we do? So did you, did you wrestle with any of that going from where you are you know, where you were to where you are now. And what was that like? Yeah, it, I definitely wrestled. I, I, in one ways I, I had peace about it because I really felt being called. I felt the Lord was calling me to, to do something different at the same time. I don't think I realized how much of my identity was wrapped up in what I did and that I'd been successful at it. And, and at the, at my place of work, I was looked at as an expert. I, I had people from different departments coming to me for answers. I was kind of a go-to guy. And, you know, realizing, giving that all up, starting in a new industry, a new company, uh, you know, really work that I didn't know much about the internal workings of, um, you know, it was, it was a learning curve and it was, it was humbling. But, you know, not, this is, may sound crazy, but while I was, even while I was interviewing, nothing was set yet. I'd, I'd been interviewing with Living Water. I'd been going through the process, and I, I even started having second second thoughts about it and doubting if this was a smart thing. And one thing is just you know, as as um, being a dad and worrying about my family and my kids, you know, one thing was the financial aspect of it because leaving a twenty year corporate career with the salary and the benefits and everything that went along with that. You know, I was going to take about a fifty percent cut to to make a change, and then I knew I was going to have kids, you know, in college or coming up soon. And so, you know, one of my questions is, you know, am I even being fiscally responsible? Am I being a good steward of the giftings and the the things that God has given me? Right. And it's funny because I I'd been wrestling with this, and my two the, my two biggest questions were, is the water ministry something I should be getting into? And then the second question I was wrestling with is, is this something like, am I being, am I taking care of my family? Am I making a, a, a dumb move basically? And I, I was woken up three nights in a row um, at exactly the same time. And wow. I usually sleep well. So it was, it was, it was unusual that I would even look at the clock and because, you know, I'm kind of clueless. It took God, you know, doing it three times before I, I recognized what was going on. But I woke up and each time it was 4.43 in the morning. So on the third, the third morning I woke up, I got up and I thought, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe he's trying to tell me something. And so I talked to my wife and she, and I thought, well, maybe it's a Bible verse. And so she immediately said, I think I'm, I'm hearing that. I think you're supposed to go to Isaiah. And so I've read the Bible. I've done this. I couldn't tell you, is there a Isaiah 4.43? I don't, I'm not that in depth of a, of a biblical scholar. So I went and I turned and to go to 
Isaiah 4.43, and it doesn't exist. And I thought, well, maybe it's 44.3. So I looked up, and there's a Isaiah 44.3. And so remember that the two questions I was wrestling with was, you know, is water and living water the thing, and, and what about my family? And the scripture for Isaiah 44.3 is, For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground, and I will pour out my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your children. And at that point, we wow. just— we had peace about it. So, yeah. So yes, I, I had, I had angst. I had, you know, I had to work through some things, you know, with my, my identity and what I thought about myself and wrapped up in my work life. But I really felt like, you know, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, I always find it incredible. And I've had those instances in my own life and other people I know that, um, God knows us so intimately. He knows, he knows our hearts better than we do. And so he knows exactly what's going to move us. And, I mean, that's a the only thing more blatant probably would have been a, a billboard. Well, I've, I'll do part two on that. <laughs> okay. and, and there was about 20 of these. And, but the other one that stood out is I had interviewed. I knew I was down to probably uh, the last couple people. I thought it was down to me and another person. And we thought we would, the timing up, we thought we'd hear by a certain certain date. And it hadn't happened. And we were coming up on the holidays. And... One reason or another, we had been gifted by a friend like a free night's hotel. And so we had taken our kids and just said, hey, we're just going to do a staycation and we're going to go to the hotel and kids can swim in the pool and we'll go out to dinner. And I was really stressing out that I hadn't heard back and maybe I didn't get it. And I, man, I feel this is what I'm supposed to do. And, you know, kind of worrying about that. And my wife and I were talking about the next morning we wake up and, you know, sometimes they'll slide the like USA Today under your, your, hotel door. Right. And we had just been talking about the night before, like, why haven't we heard? And the front page of the USA Today that morning was of the water crisis. And the picture on the front was a living water well. And my wa- <laughs> my wife just basically like, you know, gave me a little slap on the arm. It's like, why are you even worrying? Like, you know, this is, this is, you know, I think, I think God's sound telling us this is going to be okay. Better than a, a billboard. Yeah. yeah. And a, the a national per, news. A personal just billboard. For you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that you teed that up nicely and that wasn't even planned. Oh, so, <laughs> you know, it, it makes me think that I'm, there are people who are going to listen to this, who find themselves in jobs they're no longer passionate about, but fiscally responsible to maintain the job, you know, and don't leave the benefits and all those things. But they've been stirred to do something else in their life. Uh, Any advice for people who are in the middle of that part of their life and dealing with those questions? Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I would say, you know, first off, be praying about it and and really be listening to what, what you feel, you know, make sure that this is not just from you or from your gut, but I think we're, we all have, we're all created a certain way. We have a personality and giftings and experiences and backgrounds that all lead us maybe to a point in life. I felt like that's where this has brought me. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, you still second guess and there's all the, you know, there is, hey, we all have to, you know, pay a mortgage or pay for health insurance or whatever. So there's, there's a reality of we need, we need to be able to fund things. But right. I think, I think God knows that more than we do. And so, you know, we took that leap of faith as a family and, you know, he's, he's provided, he's provided everything we've needed. It's been tight at times. We've had to change our lifestyle a little bit. Um, but 
my family's better because of it. I have more joy. I feel more fulfilled. And, you know, I've had people ask me like, Hey, if, if your old company called you back and they, they offered you double your salary right now or triple, would you go back? And I'm like, not in a heartbeat. It's not, it's not worth it. Like mm. my life now is way better than it was seven years ago. That's so good to, to know. Um, and good for you for, for taking that step. You know, I've, I've heard it said that, um, how do you spell faith? R I S K. Right. <laughs> yeah. you know, and it does, our life does demand risk taking in order to find fulfillment sometimes. Yeah. Um, and my, my wife would, would, would tell you that I'm a planner. I, I overly think things through. And so, you know, it is one of those things where, you know, I think, I think God moves, but, you know, we play a part in that. And we, you know, we need to, we need to sometimes risk it and, and take that step of faith before we really see action happen. And so it's, it's a good reminder. I'm, I'm in the middle of one of those scenarios right now and uh, kind of pushed pushed it across the table to God and say your turn, and I think He's pushing it back to me and saying, you know, your turn, you know. Hey. So, all right, let's let's uh, let's talk a little more about living water and outcomes. Yeah, um, you know, we have felt very comfortable um, donating over the years and want to do a lot more, and we want to incite more people to get involved um, because of the organization and what they represent and, and how they're changing lives. Um, and, you know, people said, wow, have you been over there and helped? And we ought to say, no, honestly, we, we have not. And we just had a, a team meeting around that, that is, those issues and saying, okay, if we hit this watermark in our business, let's go p- participate in yeah. So we can have a hands-on and we can have more authenticity, you know, in what we're doing. But in the meantime, um, the stories that come back um, and the hope that we're changing people one village or one life at a time helps us sell more real estate so we can save more lives. Yeah. So fill, fill in some blanks for, you know, our listeners about, you know, what happens, you know, you know so... Uh, Okay, I, I write a check, or I go online and I donate. Then what happens? Well, you know, generally the money comes in and, and all of that, well, like what you guys do, we earmark all that to a, a specific project. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's not always the case. A lot of times if money just comes in, it will go to what we call where most needed. And we, you know, we're currently working in 17 countries and, you know, because of different reasons, some, some projects in some countries get funded quicker than others. And, you know, as we're going throughout the year, we'll see that, you know, Hey, we've got some projects in India that, that don't have donors yet. No one has specifically signed up for like that community. And so, you know, we use that, we pull those where most needed funds to help cover those, those other projects. Or if cost, you know, if, if you have a tough drill and it costs more than, than expected, then, then that covers that to make that project happen. But generally, um, that money is earmarked for a community. And so it goes there. Our team, we have teams on the ground. So these are living, living water employees. So we train and equip national, local nationals in their own countries. Oh, good. And so one thing is, you know, um, we want that to be encouraging to their own people. So, you know, people in those communities see their friends and neighbors that are, that are employees like helping take care of their own country, their own communities. 
and you know they know their communities better than we do and so they know they know the needs they know where to go and and so how best to work and so the money goes in there it's usually slated to a project and then we drill while we're in that community we're putting in a water point Sometimes it is there may be an existing broken well that was put in by a government or a non uh, you know another organization. So mm-hmm. these are not living water projects, but the uh, the teams will rehabilitate a broken well. A lot of times, what what we mainly do is drill new boreholes, so deep water wells, and that will get a hand pump or a sub- electric submersible that will pump water up to the surface. Um, we do some other solutions as well, whatever's best for that community. But while we're in the community, we teach them hygiene and sanitation training because it's one thing to bring them safe water, clean water, but it needs to stay safe from collection to consumption. So you're teaching them about germ transmission Mm. and and those type of things. Yeah. Going and getting clean water with the same old crappy bucket. Right. Is just going to pollute the water. Right. If you're not washing your hands, if you're not using a latrine, you know, they, a a lot of times the communities have no idea about germ transmission and that, you know, when they're using the restroom or handling livestock that, you know, if they're then handling the food or touching the, the water containers that that contaminates it. So teaching them about that, how to have washing stations, that type of thing. That's bigger than just, okay, here's your well. See you later. Yeah, enjoy your life. Right. And it's working with the community to keep that sustainable. So we, te- we teach them repair and maintenance, how to upkeep the well. Um, you know, what we're telling them is like, you know, even though like for you guys, you, you have funded the well, you've actually donated the money to make that happen. When we put the project in there, we want them to know we're handing this over to you. This is now a community asset that you own and that you need to take care of. But they need to know how to take care of that. So right. we, we train them on that um, so that they don't need to have an outside organization or government continually coming back to take care of them, that it's self-sustaining at that point. Right. So we're, we're, uh, it's more inter- interdependent and then letting them have their own independence and live their own life without having to come back and go, I need, you know, I need something else. Yeah. And we, we've had examples where, you know, and our team will, will stay in the area for a couple of years and while we're working on other projects. And we're there, you know, to answer questions. They have they know how to contact us in case they have a problem. But then when, you know, the team will continually help them realize, like, what needs to be done and how to, how to maintain it, how to procure the part, that type of thing. Um, and so we've had it where, you know, our team will, will just do a, you know, a spot check later in the year. And the community has said, you know, Oh yeah, that broke, you know, uh, an, a cow got into the area and broke the handle off, but we procured the part and had it back running within 24 hours and we never had to call you, you know, and that, that's perfect. That's what we want. They, yes. There's a pride of, in that we've had, we've had communities that are, you know, they start doing user fees, just very minuscule user fees, um, for the people in the community to use the water, but that all goes into a fund that helps pay for those those uh repairs and maintenance oh, brilliant. and we had a we had a community in, in uganda that had been doing that for a couple of years had still been doing the maintenance but was people were were putting in extra and they they said they almost had enough to actually pay to have a second well put in their community that they themselves funded and so like there was just immense pride in that for them that they again they didn't need someone from america paying for it that they were taking care of their own community you know it's great because yeah, I've, I've 
read several books, and there's some outspoken proponents that we we're actually damaging third world countries by going in, you know, after 150 years of doing handouts that we haven't really helped them yes. up. But I think anytime we can go in and do training, change mindsets and the way people think, that'll affect other generations and then train them to take care of themselves going forward is, is invaluable. Then we are making a significant change that really will f- affect the, you know, that continent or those continents over the long period of time. Let's take a... Let's take a, a, a step back to get a little bit bigger picture because we haven't talked about what's life like in those villages when there isn't clean water. Yeah, I mean, it clean water affects every aspect of life. And so, you know, there's a there's a, a, a chart that we use. It's a good visual, um, not good on an on a audio podcast here, but... It's, it's the development stair step. So if you think of these communities that have a bunch of different issues, you know, there are food issues, health issues, there are education issues. They don't, they don't have an economy. You know, there's, there's a myriad of, of things that, that needs, needs work. Mm -hmm. And if the goal is to, is to improve life in all aspects, spiritually, physically, economically in these communities, um, and to get them out of these cycles of extreme poverty, it really does start with clean water because you're you're not gonna you're not gonna have good health if you don't have clean water. I mean, there's you know these these places that people are are getting water. Sometimes they're they're shallow hand dug wells. Oftentimes it's a surface source, a stagnant pond, a polluted river. You have everything from all sorts of diseases, tropical diseases in there to pesticides if, if, if they're near a, a plantation or something, depending on where in the world, and it's affecting health. But then, you know, you can't have clean sanitation and hygiene practices, you know, clean dishes, toilet facilities, that type of thing, hand washing without clean water. Um, you know, kids need to stay in school. And so they're either missing school because they're sick or they're missing school because they're spending hours a day walking for dirty water. Mm. Um, and so all these things, you know, when you can bring clean water into a community, uh, you know, we've chatted about this, but, you know, we call it time poverty. All that, all that time and effort that would have been spent hauling, going and getting dirty water that's going to ultimately make you sick um, can be spent on, you know, micro businesses, women taking care of their families, kids in school. Um, and, and really it pretty significantly changes that community in a short, short period of time. Thank you for that. that you, you drew a great picture there. Um, I heard a quote a number of years ago that women and children become water slaves, um, because it absorbs so much of their time yeah. and exposes them to so many additional dangers. Fill on that picture a little bit, would you? Yeah, so women and children, when you think about who is most affected by the water crisis, yes, it affects everyone, boys and men, but for the most part, women women and girls bear the, the highest brunt of, of the water crisis mm. because they're the ones generally um, – forced is, is maybe a hard word, but they're the expectation is that they're the water gatherers. So they're the ones making the long walk, um, and, you know – it's it is 
grueling. And, and you think in, in a lot of these areas, you know, in the dry seasons when like maybe even a, 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 you know, a close by, which is maybe even a mile away sometimes, a close source dries up that creek or that pond and they're forced to go further distances. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of places, especially in Africa, sometimes in India, they're, they're walking, you know, up to like seven miles round trip, um, to bring back, you know, a couple gallons of dirty water. And, you know, you see people with buckets or with, you know, old like fuel can jerry cans, which are five gallons. That's, that's full of water. That's 40 pounds plus. And to think of like the physical toll that takes on women and children, but also, you know, they're vulnerable to attack. They're vulnerable. Um, they're women are assaulted, sexually assaulted on these long walks. Cause often it's alone or often, um, early morning or at night after the other household duties are done or before. And, um, and so, you know, there's, there's high HIV incidences often associated with that. Um, there's, they're vulnerable to attack by animals. There's areas where there's baboons and crocodiles. And, and, you know, we've been in communities where, you know, one, one family had, I think three of the four women in the family had been killed at the river by crocs as they go down to just dip in to get, to get unsafe water. Um, I don't want to make light of this, but it just, this flashes in my mind. You know, I asked one of my kids, Hey, will you grab me a glass of water in the kitchen? They never have to look and see if there's crocodiles on the floor. Right. Yeah, I mean, right. it's just, it's just almost, it's hard to comprehend. It is incomprehensible. And, and to think that, you know, you're, you're walking a couple miles vulnerable to attack. It's not safe when you get there. And then the water you bring back is diseased and you know, it's going to make your family sick. Um, you know, it's, it's heartbreaking. And so, you know, when, when we can bring in a clean water source, right footsteps away from, from the home, not only is that going to improve their health, but in, you know, it gives them that time back. Uh, it gives them women time to take care of their family, start a business. And, and you really see change happen. And even the health aspect, you know, we've, we've been in communities like a community hospital where you see a chart on the wall of like dysentery and cholera rates and then suddenly on the chart it's it goes from like these high numbers to almost zero and then just stays steady at almost almost nothing mm. and you say well what what was that and they're like that that was that was when the well went in wow so really water really does change everything either you have it or you don't or what you know if you have a in this diseased water the outcomes are just astounding it is and how it's affecting you know, families and villages as well as whole countries. Absolutely. You know, you think about the immensity of this issue. Um, in fact, you know, when I first saw the numbers, and it was at that point just under a billion people who didn't have access. And, you know, I thought, okay, what do you mean not, you know, not access? And, you know, and then I start hearing these stories and yeah. hearing how it, it's a half of a day or more between two trips to and from, and, you know, and carrying 40 40 pounds. We won't carry a 30-pound piece of luggage into the airport without wheels, you know, yep. over train and all that. So, it, you know, when I first started looking at it, I thought, well, this is crazy. I mean, what what can I possibly do? This is like a less than a drop in the bucket, whatever I can do. And then I started hearing stories. Yeah. So how does that affect you? And how does that how does it affect you on a daily basis, knowing that you're going up against this mountain of a world problem? Well, it's it motivates me, 
in a couple ways. You know, one one it could feel overwhelming because when you think about there's around seven billion people on the planet, and if you think of you know somewhere the numbers are between probably six six hundred million to a billion people still lack access to a safe water source. You're talking you know roughly about one in ten people on the planet, and so you know what does it mean when one in ten people of our global neighbors who we're a faith-based organization. So of our global neighbors who we're called to love don't have access to this basic necessity. So that's, that's what compels me. That's mm-hmm. what compels us mm-hmm. as an organization. We want, we want them to know that, that God loves them. Christ loves them. There are people around the world that they will never meet or have never seen that love them and are sacrificing to bring this resource to them. Um, so that's the big picture. You know, I mentioned before that, that we're making, we're making our way because, you know, when we, again, probably 10 years ago, it was 1.2 billion. And now if you think it's roughly half of that or getting close that we are making, making way. That's extraordinary. And, and it, it, it takes everybody, obviously living water international, we're not going to solve the global water crisis on our own. Um, but you know, we're doing our part. So, you know, just some statistics from our org. Just in 2017, um, we did over 1,300. We did 1,302 water projects around the world. 152,000 people plus were trained in hygiene and sanitation. And overall, that was over 330,000 people that were served with with clean water. So that was just last year, 330,000 people just from our org. Um, you know, we partner with with other water organizations. We we're in some alliances. We work with the local government to go to areas where the government can't provide the needed coverage, and so they bring in you know an organization such as ourselves. And so, you know, it, many hands make light work, right? And so, a lot of partnerships. A lot of partnerships, and you know, when you think about, you know, when I think about the the work that you guys have done, you know, you've already funded over six unique projects with us in the last two years. This nice little real estate group in, in Colorado has served hundreds, if not, you know, a couple thousand people just from your Mm -hmm. efforts. And so, you know, you multiply that with people getting involved around the nation and, and it, a lot of good can, can get done. Well, yes, we, we, uh, you guys are so good about sending reports when a, a water project is complete um, and oftentimes include photos, you know, there's just, they just tell so much um, and they fill in blanks and what we can make up about what life is like there. And the before and after um, is so powerful. And then, you know, recently you sent us pictures of them holding up a placard saying, you know, thank you to us for yeah. helping them. And, that motivates us. I mean, it, it brings tears to my eyes every time. And, you know, early early on when I was struggling with this, I went and I did a lot of due diligence. I, I'm like you. I want I get my ducks in a row before I do something I want because I want to do it over a period of time. And somebody said, Tom, you're looking at the, the issue the wrong way. He said, number one, you should have a big why. You should take this on because you'll probably never see the end of it in your life. But you'll have a whole life opportunity to work on it and then secondly you're going to do this one life at a time and so i started imagining okay children are dying like crazy because of uh, the polluted water and disease that's born so 
What if we save the next Mother Teresa, the next world statesman who can bring warring countries you know, together, uh, the next scientist that discovers you know, the cure for cancer? It's entirely possible there in those villages. Yeah. And otherwise, they don't have a hope without our small contribution pulled together by organizations like Living Water. They're going to make a massive change. It, it makes our partnership so much more significant for us. And to know that there are people like you who are managing it well, are very thoughtful about where you go. You're not running around willy-nilly. You have a, you know, you have a long-term strategic, strategic plan, um, and you see the, the whole picture, but are able to take it apart and attack it one chunk at a time. And you know, to hear those numbers you just t- told me about yeah. what little we've done that have had that kind of impact, it really encourages me today. And so I, I, I want to invite those of you who are listening, who are these world problems, I can't do anything. Well, there's a solution. You become part of a, a larger thing where a, a bunch of us do a small thing that turns into a big thing that changes lives and then changes the world. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, one of our goals is always to show impact. And that's through reporting and and really, you know, it's the cliche, but a a picture is worth a thousand words, right? And you see a picture of these kids, you see a picture of of families that of their previous water source that is just you can't imagine like I wouldn't wash my car with some some of that stuff. Yeah. And like you mentioned before about, you know, the toilet water, but it's a joke. I mean, we've you know, we've had people We've, we've, I've heard stories about like the team teams being asked, like, is it true that you, you flushed, you have toilets with drinking water? You know, I mean, we wash our cars with clean drinking water and it's just, we just take it for granted. But, you know, you see the, the before and after pictures of the, where they were getting their, their water and then the joy and the, and the excitement in the community. It's hard to, it's even hard to portray that in a report on, on how great, grateful they are. And, appreciative and they know what a resource it is and you know and it's something that you know with the technology is pretty simple to bring them and for you know solving the crisis you know it it may seem daunting but if you think you know a a kind of an average that we we figured out is over all of our projects that about it's about five bucks a person to bring to bring first-time access clean water so if you think you know a lot of places you know an average family of five it's 25 bucks um like how five five bucks i mean it's a a medium latte. Yeah, maybe, right? <laughs> and uh, but you know, five dollars to provide water to somebody, and think about you know when you associate that, and we see that on those reports with you know these these aren't just nameless, faceless people. These are you know these are people in the community. I mean, I, I was in Nicaragua a couple of years ago in a community that the matriarch of that community, her name was Maria. She said that she'd been praying for clean water for over 40 years and her goal was to see her community have a a clean water source before she died and there had been several different things governments and everything that had promised and people checked checked their village out nothing had ever happened so when we were there the first couple days like we were not getting good looks from her she was very skeptical of you know we're just going to be another yep that pulls out on pulls out or takes the community's money or whatever but on the last day when the well was in, she was the first person that to got to get to pump the clean water. And for the first time, she just cracked this big old smile. 
And we found out later, two days later, she was turning 94. I mean, so, I mean, they were, they were literally joking that she was staying alive until she saw her, uh, her community get clean water. Now we were like, man, I hope, I hope that doesn't mean she's going to pass away soon. <laughs> you know, there was, there was a, there was a group of, of people that gathered their money to sponsor that project. Little did they know when they started to, you know, sacrifice a little bit of their income or their savings to, to fund that well, that they were going to be an answer to a 40 year prayer. You know, and so it's, it's things like that that just keep, keep me going. I bet. I bet. Jeff, you know, you were here to uh, serve, but also, I don't know about you, but it seems like anytime I go to involve myself in somebody else's life, I, I become the biggest receiver. That's always something I learned. So can you think of a, a learning that you've taken away from your involvement in, these outcomes that you've been describing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that is, I think that's what surprises most people that, that are able to go visit or be on site surely has impacted me every time I've, I've been on one of our drill drill locations in a community is that I'm just impacted because the people there are, are so gracious. They're so full of joy. I realize that there's a lot of simple things in my life. You know, we, we can have gratitude over the big things where we really feel like God showed up but it's the everyday stuff that I think we kind of just tend to forget about. Mm-hmm. They are so so grateful and trusting in the small things. I've I've sat in the courtyard of a of a house that is eight by eight foot. You know, it's like smaller than the smallest bedroom in our house, and an entire family lives there. And it's made of some mud and maybe a little black plastic visqueen, and they have nothing. And they're serving us a full meal which is everything they have probably for the next couple of days. And they're not doing it grumbling. They're not doing they, they, they just give because they're grateful and they, they, they just trust that, hey, if, if we give this away out of thankfulness, that, that God will provide for us tomorrow. I need that reminder. I really yeah, do. so do I. Probably too often. But, but yeah, so I think I, I, I always leave there filled up, just so appreciative myself and just so impressed with the faith, the how industrious the people are, and they're just they're just survivors, and they're doing it really with with a lot of joy in with in having so little. Well, Jeff, we're we're grateful to have the opportunity to sit with you today and and hear these things, and know that we have a friend and a partner, and we have a partner organization that's doing phenomenal work. You've bolstered. And encourage me. You know, I was told you're not going to eliminate this issue in your life. Well, I just might outlive that prediction. <laughs> yeah, that's our that's our hope and dream, right? That yes. we will. And yeah, we're so appreciative. It, it, you know, your partnership. Our our work doesn't happen without partners like like you all. So, it well, thank you. it takes a team. It does take a team. This is Doug Osnes. You've been listening to the Highlands Ranch Lone Tree Advice Givers Podcast from Transformation Realty. You can follow this podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to iTunes Podcast and subscribe, rate, and review our podcast, please. Join us again, and thank you for the way you transform your lives, your communities, and the world by doing good.